Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of August 2010. For newcomers, I always suggest you start off by going into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and bookmark all the other sites you'll see listed there. These are the official sites and I do get harassment once in a while with the, the main com site so if you bookmark these other ones, you can always download from them. Hopefully uh, things go haywire in the near future, which is what they've done in the past. And when you're at it, to remember that uh, I have articles for or books for sale and um, discs for sale on the website. That keeps me going. I don't ask for money from advertisers, as most hosts do. That's how they make their living, and that's okay. But I get a freer hand by uh, basically depending on the audience to purchase the books or donate to me uh, in order to keep me going. It does give me a, a wider hand. I don't have to bring on guests to sell stuff and so on. And remember, these books, too, are not normal history books. I don't go through. There's thousands of, of versions of histories out there to take your pick. That's all it is, take your pick, which one you want to accept. And, but what I do show you is the techniques that have been used uh, down through the ages of uh, highly skilled people using very old techniques, in fact, of, con- of controlling people, millions of people in countries, all, to say, all down through the ages. Very old science. It's never been lost, and why should you lose something that always works? Today it's a, a lot more intense because of neuroscience and psychology and mass behaviorism and the study of us. Uh, we are very, very predictable. Our culture is given to us and we uh, basically are the products of experts at the top that, that even give us our hobbies, even the topics we talk about. So I show you how it's done and I show you how to deprogram yourself, buy the books and donate from the US to Canada. Remember, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order, PayPal for donation or to order. If you want to order a book or anything, just uh, send a PayPal donation and a separate email with your name, address and order. And I'll get it out to you across the rest of the world. Same idea. You have the edition of Western Union, which is expensive, mind you. And MoneyGram, some people send cash or PayPal for donation or to purchase. It's up to yourself. But as I say, we're living through really um, amazing times. We're getting revamped as we speak here, uh, as the scientists come out in the open and push as though they were really part of government, which they are, in fact. We just didn't tell you that before. And uh, they're putting all their, their theories into practice and guiding the world in a post-democratic system. But as I say, they're out in the open. It's Darwinian uh, philosophy that they all believe in. And they believe they're the natural ones to inherit the earth. And the problem is with us. You see, we're the old types. They're supposed to simply die off. We're the stages of the rocket that boosts them off into space, you might say. Now we're consumers. And that's what they call us, consumers. And we're post-industrial. 
They don't keep people around as pets. They don't believe in that. And therefore, we've been getting killed off for a long time by various means, inoculations, with cancers in them and cancer viruses. That's well known now. There's lots of documentation on it. I've gone through the whole Dr. Sock story for a time after a time. I won't repeat it. But as I say, he was a top eugenicist. He believed uh, that uh, the bulk of the population should simply die off, as good little peasants should. And he believed that the ones who go ahead like himself into a brave new world. That was the whole idea of Huxley's novel, Brave New World. It was taken from the meetings he attended with an elite. Back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about truly something that's been kept from the public for a long, long time, uh, with the collusion of the mainstream media, because their job has never been to tell you the truth. Long, long ago, before you were born, international meetings were held about, really, Darwinism, as I say, evolution. They really, really believe in evolution. And they bring all their experts in to go through previous civilizations that would rise up and then fall down. And other ones would come down later on and rise up again and fall down and so on. And they call it progress, the progress of civilization. Now, this was right up into the 20th century. And that's when it really kicked off at the beginning of the 20th century with what they claimed at the top was a need for a, a form of world government to, to bring the world down in unison all the countries down together. How would you do that? Well, you would need a sort of global government type of idea. And they also knew that the people wouldn't like giving up their antique idea of sovereignty, you see, so they had to get a world war going. And you will find little intimations of this in the writings of Carl Quigley, who documented one of the main groups that helped to bring all this about, including the League of Nations and the United Nations, and that was the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They, they started off really their business by creating the South African War by deception and blaming uh, the victim, as always. That's generally the technique that they use. They blame the ones they want to rob and take land from. They, called, they said it was the Boers who had attacked them first in order to get the British government to bring in the troops, you see. And that's been done over and over again, all down through the 20th century. And we've done the same sort of stuff into the 21st century. But more than that, they also brought scientists on board to find ways to make the public a bit more dumber than they already were. Uh, because they thought, well, you know, the public won't like our ideas. They, who's going to come forward, for instance, and say, okay, sterilize me, please. I shouldn't really have children. Well, the idea was to do it, uh, again, covertly, stealthily. And what better way than to bring in national health care systems? And they did that in some of the countries. And right off the bat, it was inoculations. The inoculations have been well exposed by myself and others over the years. And I've gone through the various things which were involved with even the first polio vaccines. So well documented. There was even a, um, a documentary put out on Dr. Salk, where you see him in this old documentary, admitting that he knew that all these 
simian or monkey viruses were present, live viruses were present in all the polio shots. And he said that, again, the benefits outweighed the risks. That's what they always tell you. But, you know, they were so far ahead even then, uh, they knew what they were up to because the simian 40 virus, as he admitted in his in the same documentary, in fact, his um, assistants admitted, they knew what it did. Its only function seemed to be to cause cancers. And they, they tried it by injecting it into other uh, other animals, and sure enough, they came down with cancers. So they presumed it would probably happen in humans as well. Personally, I think they'd already tried it in humans before they gave out the polio vaccines. And it's not just the polio, it's many vaccines since so well documented um, because a good example is autism. It used to be so incredibly rare and it had a set pattern in the standard medical books. Uh, the child never, uh, the, the child never really went through the milestones of life, even through the baby's life. He didn't or she didn't get up to the, the stage of saying dada and mama. Uh, and it, so it was there from the beginning. It was noticeable from the beginning. Uh, with the new type of autism, which is rampant, as inoculations are increased for children for, and, and for, for very, very young children, uh, they find that this new type of autism uh, starts right in generally about a week to ten days after the shots are given, the first shots. And the child that's already saying dada and mama regresses immediately. That's the new kind of autism, and it's now very common. But don't forget, autism is just the, the full-blown syndrome. There are many, many degrees of it because all of these things attack the brain, as I personally think they're supposed to, all of these inoculations. They're scientifically designed, and there's been so much documentation put out there by leading globalists talking about ways to lobotomize the human brain as a necessity to bring about world peace for world order, for their order, obviously. And once again, it's how do you get a compliant, dumb population? Well, you have to attack the brain, the the part that gives them their individualism, the part that gives them their ability for self-preservation has to be destroyed. And guess what? It's been done to, I think, an awful, awful lot, perhaps the majority of society across the so-called civilized world where we get all these injections. But, you know, the, the reason is that uh, when people try to explain this to others, they don't realize that it's not, they don't want to listen or understand, uh, not because they don't, they can't understand what you're saying, it's just that they can't understand, period. They could never believe that their masters, which they've come to accept are somehow better than themselves, these politicians and so on, they could never believe that they're actually out there to do them harm. It puts them into a double-think situation. The guys in the white coat they've been taught are they're, they're angels of mercy. They come from heaven. They're there to help people. And then they cannot compute the two, uh, that such a nefarious thing could be behind uh, these guys with the white coats. So they, they literally can't because their brains have been affected. I was on Alex Jones' show today and I was talking about that too and how such a majority of the public really have been affected by it. As I say, autism is a full-blown effect. Attention deficit and all the variations thereof are just simply uh, man-made categories of lesser degrees of it. But everyone's been hit pretty well by uh, some level or another. There's no doubt on that. We're all down about 10 points in the IQ scale, or and a lot of people are a lot more. 
But I've watched people being physically, as biophysically engineered over the years as they started to swell out in the last 10, 15 years. It happened quickly with people. And young men grew up to have no shoulders on them at all and to be very effeminate, etc. And all this stuff came out eventually about the bisphenol A was in uh, the plastic bottles. It was in so many other things. It was in their mother's makeup when they were pregnant. And then they tell you they've known for years that bisphenol A and uh, other ones, other estrogen, they're not just mimickers, they are synthetic estrogens with just the same effects. Uh, come through the cosmetics of the pregnant mother and it affects the, the male fetus in the first 8 to 12 weeks of life, uh, they'll never really be a full-blown natural, what they call a natural man. Once again, that was the main target uh, discussed back in the 1920s to bring about world peace. The male was the one who stood up against change, change of rule or rulership by any elite they always fought so they'd have to be the main target. Bisphenol A has been known uh, since 1890 to do what it does. 1890. And it's still, they're still going on about it today in the newspapers, as though they just discovered it. I should have the Disappearing Male uh, documentary by the CBC, a link to it still up on my website, Archives. Uh, if I, I'll try and find it tonight and see if it's there after I've taken it down. But uh, once it goes into it in good detail there again, shows you the effects of what this does. Now, they've lined the tin cans over the years with it too, uh, back in the 60s and so on. They didn't need that stuff in tin cans. Suddenly, they had to have it inside the tin cans. It's inside all your diet drink cans. It's inside beer cans. And uh, as I say, they made a good popular habits of drinking water out of plastic bottles. They can make any fad work, you see, and they have. But it also has a negative effect on females as well, who become more masculine often, and even more aggressive. And you can see it once again, certain countries have been hit really hard with this, where you see the guys who, who won't stand up for themselves, very thin, kind of effeminate, and you'll see the women who are very butch-looking and aggressive, not people you can compromise on anything about. That's happened too. They know all this. You see, we're under constant scrutiny and study to see if it's actually working. And the disruption of the family unit, the total destruction of the family unit was one of their priority goals. That has been done because neither the male nor the female, in many cases, is natural anymore. And when you look at some of the older people, they look like balloons. They swell up with supposedly fat in places they never put it on before. They look like potato people, as they say, where you put little matchsticks in them for the legs and arms. They've been physically engineered. They know this at the top. They watch us more than we watch anything else. But we're watching TV, they're watching us. They know what's happening. So it's happened. It's worked very, very well. Now, <laughs> I mentioned today too that the United Nations had a team working in the 60s and the 70s of ways to bring about world peace, all to do with finding that part or those parts of the brain that literally work together to make you, uh, that gives you self-preservation, what comes into action. And they knew the parts that, that literally lit up on the screens uh, when people were into fight or flight mode. 
Therefore, they had to find ways of targeting specifically those, those particular parts of the brain. And they knew that enzymes and, and, and so on carry the, the particular foods to the different tissues of the brain and other cells in the body. They knew how it works, and they could piggyback viruses or chemicals onto these enzymes and take them right to the receptors, which would then inflame. And when you get inflammation in any area, especially the brain, you have death of cells. That's how easily that sort of thing is accomplished. We know they, they did this from the United Nations too, uh, in a different way to, to decrease population size in Africa and India quite a few years ago, with giving out what they claimed was free tetanus shots. And I'll go into that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix talking about targeting specific areas of the brain and other parts of the body and mentioning too that quite a few years back the UN had to admit that they'd uh, given uh, women who have, were given supposedly free tetanus shots, only women uh, it, was given, it was offered to in India and Africa. Uh, and they found out that uh, they all became sterile because something had piggybacked on a particular enzyme that was taken up to the ovaries and then caused massive inflammation, which caused the ovaries to die off. Uh, very fast biowarfare technique of sterilization. And I can remember when CBC Canada came out with this little bit, they normally preface everything they're going to show you by Mr. Mansbridge. He's a bridge to man, of course. We're the, we're the kind of lowly men down below. But uh, he's the main character who gives us the news in CBC in Canada. And there was no preface at all. It just went to a, 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 a boardroom where two guys stood in front of a world map and being interviewed by a woman with a microphone. And these guys were really angry at being asked all these questions uh, about what had happened. And they says, well, someone has to do this. They won't do it themselves, meaning they wouldn't uh, refrain from uh, having sexual intercourse and producing children. They knew what they'd done. It was intentional. A couple of years ago, I read another article where they did the same thing again. And uh, they found that the, the vaccines were all contaminated with the same thing that caused sterilization in women. And they just couldn't figure out at the United Nations World Health, World Health Organization how 30 different laboratories across Europe that supplied them all were contaminated with the same particular thing that caused sterilization. It was such an amazing coincidence. What a phenomenon. This is the rubbish we're expected to accept. But how else would you do this to the public if you were... Uh, if you train them to believe they live in some kind of uh, freedom and democracy, well, on the other hand, you were running in a different fashion altogether to do with what they call sustainability, which means eradication of all the old types of humans, the ones who hadn't quite made the grade, meaning they didn't get up to the millionaire, multimillionaire class. That's really what they mean by it in Darwinist uh, terminology. Yesterday I touched on an article here, it was by Vera Schiebner, a PhD, on contaminants and vaccines. 
And she does a very good expose of amoebic uh, contamination of vaccines. And she starts off the article. I'll just touch on it again. I'll put it up again tonight. All these links that I mentioned I put up in cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of the show. But she says television newsreels all over Australia in January 1996 reported on the deaths of two five-year-old children, one in Adelaide and one in Tasmania, from brain-eating amoebas. Listening to these startling reports, I remembered that when I was writing my book, Vaccination, and studying medical papers dealing with the contamination by monkey viruses of the monkey kidney tissues used in the production of the polio vaccine, one of the articles mentioned acanthamoeba as yet another contaminant of these tissue cultures besides the well-known and well-publicized simian viruses SV1 to SV40. These are the cancer ones. And then she goes into the, this in quite good detail, in fact, but it ties in with a recent article that was out, out against uh, them pulling more shots off from the children, even the latest flu shots in some countries, because the children are experiencing the same thing again. They're going and having, they're having seizures, and some of them are dying. Well, they're not stupid at the top. You know, we always, we always excuse what they do to us because we can't believe they're doing it. And we make excuses for it. Say, well, you know, it's a cutting edge of science. They're trying to help us. And I guess there are going to be so many casualties. That's utter rubbish. They're so far ahead with bio-warfare. And they were, you know, during World War II. Uh, that they don't make these kind of mistakes. They don't make mistakes like this when it comes to these vaccines. I've mentioned before, too, that these big pharma companies, they're authorized to make the vaccines and who are completely in bed with governments, if you noticed all the contracts they got for the fake swine flu. Uh, no problem at all getting multi-billion dollar contracts. They're part of the military-industrial establishment. We always talk about the main uh, army laboratories that we know of in Maryland and in, in, in England, the Portland Downs and so on. We always talk about them, but we don't realize that they're they're just as advanced in the big pharma where they make the vaccines. They deal with the killer vaccines and the killer bacterium. They deal with them all the time. And what better place than to cause mutations? Mutations are very easy to do. Reading uh, one book, it was called um, Canada's Secret War, and it's called Deadly Allies. It's the main title of it by a Toronto Star reporter from declassified stuff from World War II, uh, it goes into the fact that we could make viruses then. We could literally alter viruses, simple harmless viruses, into killers in one hour in the laboratory in World War II. But we're supposed to think they're, they're just screwing up here and there in this day and age, 21st century. No, it doesn't happen. It's all intentional. Most folk will never accept this because they watch television, they watch the TV dramas with with hospitals, with actors pretending they're all doctors and so on. They watch the movies and they believe the propaganda because all movies to do with police or hospitals is propaganda. Always has been Jack Zalal goes through that in one of his books in very good detail. Called Propaganda, actually, the book. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. Now, part of the plan also was to create super soldiers, and articles were coming out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s to do with altering the average person in the military to be one of these super soldiers. I don't know if you ever watched the movie. It's called Jacob's Ladder. They kind of touch on things that actually happened in the Vietnam era when they were using specific types of drugs to cause hyper-aggression in the troops to make them really kill the enemy. And they did try on certain troops uh, a particular uh, substance that was used in gas form, uh, a substance where they'd found that even chimpanzees, once sprayed with this stuff and inhaled it, would go utterly berserk and literally rip each other into pieces. Utter tiny little pieces. And he was on troops too, because troops, you see, are expendable. That's part of what you do when you join up. You're expendable. That's what troops are. A war is about winning. The troop is just the vehicle to get things done, and they're, they're disposable, basically. Here's an article here that's, that, again, is a good cover story, because it's, uh, it's about um, troops getting a new type of vaccine. Now, Remember, as I say, they've been talking about years, many articles out there about the super soldier and altering them through drugs, DNA, and all the rest of it to be these super warriors. Well, under the guise of vaccine, here's an article from Wired, and it says, Army's vaccine plan injected troops with gas-propelled electrocharged DNA. August the 3rd, and it says, uh, the Army's got a one-two punch to perfect vaccinations. You see, it's for vaccinations and offers scientists the ability to quickly develop inoculations that stave off new dangers. First, they'll shoot troops up using a gene gun that's filled with DNA-based vaccines. Then they'll follow it up with short electrical pulses to the delivery site. I wonder where the delivery site will happen to be, maybe in their heads. But anyway, this is the sort of guys they put these things under. They don't want the troops to panic either. They think, well, we're getting inoculations. The gene gun's being used. That's all it is, the gene gun. We're getting DNA pumped into us. So there's a type of story that will cover up because the troops must be kept in ignorance as well, obviously. Rather than say, uh, you know, come and join the army and be the new you, you'll be the new you that we recreate, you see, or that we create, and the old you is utterly gone. Because that's really what happens. So anyone join the military, uh, as they're t- that's what they're signing all their, their rights to life away as far as I'm concerned. And this ties in with another article. There's a lot, so many articles came out today on science because it's again, you'll see these, these uh, trends as they call them because the media is out there and they're told this is what trends to set, to, to set out there for the public uh, on the same kind of line of topics, you see. And here's one of them here. It comes out from, this is CNET. It says, for those concerned with privacy, Google CEO Eric Schmidt gave them a few more things to start worrying about. At a conference here Wednesday, Schmidt noted that using artificial intelligence, computers can take 14 pictures of anyone on the Internet and stand a good chance of identifying that person. Similar, the data collected by location-based services can be used not only to show where someone is, but to also predict with a lot of accuracy where they might be headed next. And then they go on about it. They see, they lead, they lead the, the reader in a, almost a baby form through a little maze and leave you with a conclusion, you see. It says, ideas is a bad idea or a good idea. The, the technology, of course, is neutral, but society is not fundamentally ready. He's talking about the sciences which are coming up. Society, 
is not ready for the changes that are really going to get rammed in very, very quickly. His comments came at the start of Techonomy. It's called Techonomy, a new conference devoted to looking at how technology is changing and can change society. Schmidt said that society really isn't prepared for all the changes being thrust upon it. I think it's time for people to get ready for it. So it's coming where you like it or not, you see. I like the way it's phrased. It's, it's almost, again, that Hegelian dialectic. Society isn't ready for the changes, but uh, people should get ready for it. Smith said these records are a challenge for everyone himself, included, as he noted, he was a child of the 1960s. And this goes on through this silly childlike article, as I say, uh, to get to the point of the whole thing. And it says, Techonomy, which runs through Friday, is the brainchild of ex-Fortune staffers Brent Schlender, David Kirkpatrick, and Peter Petra. Other speakers include Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates and Sun co-founder Bill Joy. Schneider said the conference organizers remain fundamentally optimistic. Optimistic about what? You know, this is a nonsense piece, but it's got a point at the end to embed in your brain. We invent our way out of problems. Now, who's, who's we, huh? We invent our way out of problems, even the problems we create, Petrus said. This is the truth we need to show to our children and their children. I guess he's talking about their own special class. Schmidt said he sees a balance eventually coming with society and governments coming to terms on how to regulate the collection of information. The end result, he said, will be that computers will be able to do what they're good at, store and recall information, while humans focus on intuition and problem-solving. Intuition, really. You've got no intuition left when your brain's been uh, affected by inoculations. Since that separation of power is a reasonable one, he said. On balance, Schmidt said that technology is good, but he said that the only way to manage the challenges is much greater transparency and no anonymity. No anonymity in this world, you see. In an era of asymmetrical threats, this is true anonymity is too dangerous. So in this dangerous world, no one can have anonymity. And what he's really saying, too, is you cannot have any personal privacy. This is a new system that supposedly technology is thrusting upon us. Well, believe you me, that nothing happens in society without the dominant minority who run the world's society and its economies and its banking systems at the top. Nothing happens without their permission. So this means this is their agenda. Believe you me, any little scientist down the totem pole would be slapped down and no more grants if he thought he was going off in his own direction. All these scientists are paid from the, the pyramid's capstone at the top for their so-called research, which meant the searching was done long ago. So the whole article is just a little bit to get you used to the fact it's coming ready or not, it's coming whether you like it or not as well. Then IBM comes out as well and gives us their, their nanoscale DNA sequencer, uh, sequencer, they're calling it, nanoscale DNA sequencer to help drive down cost of personalized genetic analysis. Really, that's what IBM is there for, eh? And the best article on this, in fact, this is from their own site, I'll put this link up, but the best article on this is from uh, this one here, and it's Dharmendra, Dharmendra S. Moda's Cognitive Computing Blog. It says the cat's out of the bag and blue matter. Blue matter is the term that, that IBM's given to this particular area. It says today at uh, 
blah, blah, blah. It's at CO9, the, the supercomputing conference in Portland, Oregon. IBM is announcing progress towards creating a computer system that simulates the way the brain works. It's actually way beyond uh, just the interface. It says the two major milestones indicate the feasibility of building a cognitive computing chip unprecedented advances in large-scale cortical simulation and a new algorithm that synthesizes neurological data. What it does literally is analyze the human brain itself. It can actually uh, find the, the speed of your neural synapses, the speed that that's, uh, uh, the different parts of your brain could contact each other and send messages. And then it can take, by using your brain, it can then reprogram your brain when you go through all of this piles of junk from IBM. That's really what it's about, to bring in new areas of the brain and use them that they've never been used before. Not for the person's benefit, but for, for information's benefit for IBM. Now, we've already got even games out where they map your brain and what parts are being uh, interfaced at the moment and, and, and play when you're playing the particular games. They can tell what parts are being used and they can then, again, communicate to an extent and re-massage the brain, they call it. They massage by stroking it with, with low ELF signals, magnetic impulses to, your human, to the human brain. That's in games, basic games. So this thing goes a lot further and, try, and first emulates your particular sequencing of synapses. And obviously, once they can do that, they can then induce those synapses and control the brain itself. That's what it is, really, blue matter. And there's three articles on. One is from this site here. One is from the IMS press itself. And another one from a regular newspaper on it, too, is a handout to the newspaper. Most of these articles you find are handouts from the public relations corporations not right to the newspapers and are not touched by journalists at all. And the news media is quite happy to plop them right in there and call it news. Now... This ties in with another great article here, <laughs> because as I say, they come out in trends. The idea is to bombard you uh, with uh, a lot of stories along the same kind or similar topics at the same time. And that's how we get our understanding. Most folk who don't think through things learn by osmosis. That's what Jack Lull said, and he's quite correct. They don't reason their way through things. They can even, can't even tell you where the idea in their head initially came from. It's so vague. Uh, same with the predictive programming in all of the movies that they soak up. It changes and modifies their behavior. They emulate what they see, but they could never tell you where the initial idea came from, and it's from movies and so on. Now, I won't go through this whole article, but again, they're talking baby language to the children, that's us. This is from the BBC, a public relations um, piece, really, for the, the cattle out there, that's us. Humanity needs to take a giant leap, it says. And they go through, oh my goodness, how scientists slaved to, to, towards uh, getting uh, men on the moon, for instance, you see. And it starts off, it says, humanity needs a project with the vision and budget of the Apollo space program if it's going to make the necessary giant leap towards sustainability, says Owen Gaffney. And this week's green room, the green room is very important. I've got stuff even in my videos on that from years ago. He said, researchers from all scientific disciplines are developing a project that may just fit the bill. And then he goes through all this stuff about how they managed to get to the moon. It's a long, boring piece here just to get you, you know, be at ease before he gets into the main parts of it. And then he goes on to his, his, his vision for the future. 
and he says, um, for years since Armstrong planted a flag on the moon, the International Council for Science, this is the important part, the rest of it is rubbish, it says, the International Council for Science. Now, what is the International Council for Science? It was an age as a private organization set up by elitists and eugenicists back in the early 1930s uh, with the backing of the richest people on the planet to bring in a, a parallel-type government for post-democratic society where the natural elites would come out to the front stage for the first time eventually, about this time we're living in now, and organize and rule our lives for us and shape the destiny and course of the world. That's why George, that's why H.G. Um, Wells had it in his own particular book, um, Shape of Things to Come. That very, very thing, I saw for a council of scientists, you see, scientists. So when it, this International Council of Science, you'll find every major eugenicist that's ever existed uh, all belong to this organization because their job is to put forth to the little Actors are put into governments that we think are presidents and prime ministers to tell them what to do. They make policy for governments world over. That's their job. So anyway, he says, um, the, con- the International Council for Science says the world needs a second Apollo mission, but this time to manage the planet sustainably. The council convened a meeting in June to bring together some of the world's leading specialists in climate, biodiversity, political systems, that's all the politicians, and global change, experts in global change. Eh? That's one way kind of degree that is. The group was there to put in place the final part of what would become a 10-year research program to put society on track towards a metaphorically brighter future, they say. Instead of one grand challenge, the ICSU has five. These range from the mundane, making environmental forecasts more useful and developing observation systems. That sounds rather benign, doesn't it? To the truly inspirational and essential. So again, they're laying as at ease as a lead up to the real part. The third challenge is to anticipate, avoid, and cope with dangerous global environmental change, while the fourth is to change the behavior of people and organizations. There you go. This private organization wants to change your behavior, to change the behavior of people and organizations. The fifth outlines a plan to develop new technologies uh, to supposedly take over from fossil fuels and so on and so on and all that kind of stuff. So they're also going to look at the risks of geoengineering. That's manipulating the Earth's climate. Well, they've been doing that since 1998 continuously, continuously by aerial spraying and adding use of HARP for those who still haven't been totally affected by their injections and their poisoned food. You've noticed since 98, continuously, over a good part of the world, they've been spraying pretty well daily this mush, I call it, turns into mush. It's not condensation trails, I won't even go into that rubbish. Uh, I, I've lived enough, uh, enough years to know the difference. And I was, I was wide awake when I saw them start to spray in earnest in 98, and then from then on continuously. This is not condensation trails. They are altering the weather. They've been doing it for years. And the Department of um, the Air Force for the U.S. also has a, a division called Owning the Weather. Owning the Weather. That was one of their goals. They've done it, actually. So... These characters really are in it, and, and here, this real, this real organization, the ICSU, wants to change your behavior, modify your, your behavior, and they also want 
to have politicians carry out their mandates. That's their real job, is to tell politicians what to do. A private organization. We don't elect them, folks. Nothing to do with democracy. But then, you've never had democracy, for those who didn't know it. Now, huh, he's a really good one, too. On the gender bender, I'll, I'll just touch on this because I don't want to go over this. It's the same rubbish that's put out over and over and over again as though they've just found this out. Uh, gender bending chemical and food tins may cut male fertility. 5th of August 2010. I've been doing stuff on this for years from articles from scientific magazines. But they keep recycling the same stuff as though, oh, they just found out that it, it turns guys into women and stuff like that, you know. Yep. Interesting, though, that an article I read a few days ago, the, the bisphenol um, also, and, and the, the phthalates that have in them too, both categories of synthetic estrogens are now being used in the baked beans of Heinz. They're going to these same plastic bottles where it's poured in hot into the bottle, and it's sealed, and, of course, that's when the, this stuff leaches out of the soft plastic so it's a great combination for your baby to to chomp up there. And you can decide yourself if you want a boy and a girl, I guess, down the road after it's born. So, by the way, you feed it. So that's that. Now, another interesting article, too, is the way it's in your face with the elite, which is a good thing for those who are awake, but it doesn't matter to the 70 or 80% who are already lobotomized. And that's pretty well the figures about austerity in Obama. Back after this. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just to finish off with uh, another nail in the coffin for anyone who actually believes in democracy or that there's ever actually been a democracy. Uh, here's an article on the Obamas and their idea of austerity, you see. And it's called Material Girl Michelle Obama is a modern-day Marie Antoinette on a glitzy Spanish vacation. Well, what's wrong with holidays, eh, if you've got the money and all the rest of it? I guess she doesn't get all padded down and x-rayed when she goes off, mind you. But uh, that's a privilege of getting up there. It says, sacrifice is something that many Americans are becoming all too familiar with during the economic downturn. Downturn is a depression. It's a brought-on depression. This key theme in President Obama's inaugural address to the nation, and he's referenced it numerous times when lecturing the country on how to get back on its feet. But while most of the country is pinching pennies and downsizing summer sojourns for forgoing them altogether, the Obamas don't seem to be heeding their own advice. While many are struggling, the First Lady is spending the next few days in a five-star hotel on the chic Costa del Sol in southern Spain with 40 of her closest friends. It must be nice to have so many friends you can take off with you on the taxpayer's expense, you see. According to CNN, the group is expected to occupy 60 to 70 rooms, more than a third of the lodgings at the 160-room resort. Not exactly what one would call cutting back in troubled times. Reports are calling the lodgings of Obama's Spanish fiesta, the Hotel Villa Padierna in Marbella, the luxurious posh and a millionaire's playground. Estimated room rates per night, up to a staggering $2,500 per room. Method of transportation, well, Air Force Two, of course. Bias, austerity, isn't it? To be clear, what the Obamas do with their money is one thing, what they do with ours is another. 
transporting and housing the estimated 70 secret service agents who will flank the material girl will cost the taxpayers a pretty penny. Perhaps it could be that the Bamas who seek to fancy themselves more along the lines of international celebrities than actual leaders espouse a different view of sacrifice. When Michelle Obama accompanied her husband to Copenhagen along with her best buddy Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, she billed the trip an ultimately unsuccessful bid to bring the Olympics to Chicago as follows. As much of a sacrifice as people say this is for me or Oprah or the president to come for these two day, few days, so many of you in this room have been working for years to bring this bid home. A quick jaunt to Denmark is a sacrifice, she claims. What portraits encourage? The Bama modus operandi is becoming clear from lavish trips to Spain to reportedly flying to Flying Bow, the president's Portuguese water dog. He flew his water dog off in a separate aircraft to vacation with them in Maine. That's not bad, isn't it? To a date in New York City that perhaps cost nearly $100,000. Their idea of austerity is really just a lap of luxury, at least for ordinary folks. Incredibly, the Bamas have long portrayed themselves as precisely such commoners, Just this month, Obama told ABC the first couple is not that far removed from what most Americans are going through. And it was just a few years ago that we had a high credit card balance. We had two children thinking about college. We had our own retirement accounts, wondering if we were going to be able to get enough assets in there. And more and more and more lies as it goes on. And there's two pages of it. But you see, new boss, you know, new boss, same shit. Then the public never learn. It's all a big con game for them, a pantomime. That's all it is. That's all politics is, a pantomime. You just have to hear the right things said during elections, and that's good enough for you. Isn't that sad? Sad state of affairs. That's how dumbed down and stupid the public are. But what a war has been waged upon them. From Hamish and myself and Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.